I've run global businesses, so how hard can it be to just write a book? I still don't really understand how I do it. Okay, well, um, I guess I'll start. My name is Shaz Khan. That sort of story is inspirational to a lot of wannabe writers out there who feel they have a book in them but are living a totally different life at the moment. And what I actually have found through this whole process is that writing is, is probably the most difficult job I've done. Not only can you, but you should start late. Taking a book the whole nine yards, from an idea in your head to words on a page, from a scribble on a napkin to a listing on Amazon, that's easier said than done. But it's also easier than you'd think. I'm your host, Casimir M. Stone, and this is Readsy's Best Seller, the podcast demystifying the process of self-publishing a book for aspiring novelists everywhere, one episode at a time. This is Chapter 4, The Design Stage. Never judge a book by its cover. It's one of the biggest cliches both in and outside of the publishing world, and yet the reality is quite the opposite. We all judge books by their covers. Whether literarily or literally, whether in the streets, in the workplace, or in the bookstore, so many of our decisions are based on snap judgments using what we see, the proverbial cover, to assess what is underneath. Speaking of judgment and of the streets, let's talk for a moment about The Godfather. Mario Puzo's crime thriller classic is arguably more famous for its cover than it is for the novel underneath. It certainly doesn't hurt that the monochromatic marionette logo was also used by a certain movie adaptation that also happens to be considered one of the best movies ever made, but regardless, hundreds of printings, movie posters, and unofficial t-shirts later, that black and white hand grasping those marionette strings remains as menacing as the day it was first published. Perhaps it's the desaturated color scheme with splashes of red, or the subtle invocation of a puppet master, or maybe it's just that killer font, but whatever it is, The Godfather's cover perfectly conveys the essence of the novel underneath. Any fan of mafia epics would see the cover, buy the book, and inevitably enjoy it. And anyone who was not a fan wouldn't even pick up the book to begin with. And that is the job of a book's cover. Now, think about if Puzo had gone with a nice photograph of a traditional Italian wedding on the cover. It's a pivotal scene from the book, so it's a perfectly acceptable choice, right? Well, sure, except the book's core readership might not even notice it next to a John Grisham cover, and it might leave a bunch of dismayed rom-com readers in its wake. As we discussed in the previous episodes of this podcast, it can take hundreds of pages and tens of thousands of words to tell the story that the vast majority of us have inside. Um, Character Vivian Lee in my book, The Closer, is the first female CEO of a sports company. And then you have no pages to draw readers into that story, just a single cover and a few words in the blurb on the back. You know, I think the the challenge is, is writing something compelling that's really short. The trick is designing that limited space to communicate as much as possible about the story underneath. It doesn't have to reveal the story itself, but it does have to let your target audience immediately see whether this is their kind of book or not. A cover that doesn't attract your core readership, well, won't have anyone to read it. And a cover that attracts the wrong reader is just as bad. It means a lot of disappointed Kindle owners who wish they'd bought the paperback just so they could toss it in the bin. In other words, you've got to make your cover count, just like Shaz and her designer did. 
this is one of the things that I learned in my research was that a dark cover book I thought would stand out more. Um, and I just, you know, I didn't expect to also have a photographic image. When I first started, I thought I'd have an illustrated cover. And, um, and he tried a few different uh, versions. And or originally, the shoe that he used, um, it was actually a tennis shoe. And I said, you know, I, I like that concept but you know we you know we need to change the shoe and he said well it's a sneaker and I was like well it's actually a tennis shoe and this story is about a running company so it has to be a running shoe and you know I wanted to also indicate this idea of, of smashing the glass ceiling so he's got glass you know like kind of shards of glass flying off the back of the shoe. If you've seen the cover of The Closer, it really is quite striking. If you haven't, there's an image in the show notes, and I suggest you take a look. A crisp white running shoe glows in hues of blue and red like those old 3D goggles, with shards of glass flying off the heel into a vast black background. It looks important, almost cosmic. I just, I just, you know, I wanted to have a little bit more, I don't know, gravity to it. But it didn't start out that way. I, as I started this process, I started to think, oh, you know, this might be the kind of cover I would expect to see. And when I finished the process, the, the cover that we ended up with was completely different than what I started off with. The stage of designing your book can completely affect its long-term fortunes, and yet it might be the one step in the process that most aspiring authors know the least about. I, I didn't, hadn't even thought of the cover, frankly, while I was writing the book. I was just trying to get through the manuscript and get it edited. And uh, when I finally feel like, felt like I had a, you know, a product that you know I was proud of, then I just start, then I started the design process. In fact, there's this impression, especially in trade publishing houses, that the cover design isn't even the author's problem. I've worked with a lot of creative people in the past for you know many other types of projects, and um, and I also had talked to many authors who said that when they were traditionally published, they were really either surprised by in a negative way or um, weren't happy with the cover design that was basically assigned to their book, and they didn't really have any say over it. And then on the flip side, some authors might assume that they can just whip together whatever sort of cover they wish, upload it as a JPEG, and be good to go. I like the, you know, the fact that I would have total control over this. Especially when you're self-publishing your novel, the real answer per usual is somewhere in between. But let's not get ahead of ourselves, because the design stage doesn't always begin with the cover. If your book is like a present, and the cover is like the wrapping paper, you don't want to wrap it too quickly. First, you need to pack in the stuffing and or design the interior of your book. Now, last episode, you mentioned um, that going into the publishing process, you suggest uh, kind of having your book formatted already. Uh, well, as I was going through the editing process, I didn't realize there are some kind of, you know, rules of formatting. On a sheet of paper or Microsoft Word or, I don't know, the Notes app on your phone, you can write out a story if you so desire, and by that I mean you can write out a collection of words with characters, conflict, and a conclusion. But you can't really write out a book like that because there are a lot more parts of a book than just the story. The part most of us think of the chapters, the plot, the prologue or epilogue, if you should choose to include them, that is officially referred to as the body of a book. And yes, even those pages require some design. Like with the first paragraph, and you know, not indenting that, but indenting, you know, subsequent paragraphs and you know, just, um, you know, how you do scene breaks. Um, so I think I attempted to 
format it myself. But then there's the front matter of the book. Those are the pages numbered with Roman numerals located at, you guessed it, the front of the book. And while they are eminently skippable by the average reader, they cannot be skipped in the design stage as the front matter includes some pretty important information on behalf of the author and publisher. In this case, one and the same. Such as the copyright page. Um, so the copyright, you know, goes on the copyright page, and um, you have to also have a little statement in there saying, you know, these characters um, are fictitious and they don't represent any single person. The dedication page. I had a little dedication in the front. I dedicated the book to my my twin daughters, um, and you know, just said that this. I mean, the book is really for for savvy, strong women. So I said, you know, I dedicated it to my daughters, and they're already proving to be savvy, strong women. And if you are so inclined, an introduction, forward, or preface. Well, I, I was thinking about doing uh, like a preface to explain why I wrote the book and, and what the book was intended to do, why it was different. Uh, but I was already at such a high page count, so I just thought I better not add anything else. Also, there's the back matter of the book, including the appendix, chronology, endnotes, copyright permission, glossary, bibliography, index about the author, and the acknowledgments. And then in the acknowledgments um, section, I, I basically, you know, I think. But we'll get to that in the very last episode of this podcast. Honestly, most components of the front and back matter of a book are optional. There's a reason frontispiece isn't in the common lexicon. Very few books these days have one, and a frontispiece, for the record, is a decorative illustration printed on the first page of a book facing the title page. But regardless, these parts of a book are yet another element of a novel that needs to be designed. I um, had the designer who's my cover designer. He said, you know, by the way, I also do interior book design. And I was like, okay, how much would that be? And it was pretty reasonable. I was like, great, you know, if you can do it, that would be great. So first, you've got to draw up a design brief. First of all, in the design brief, you have to really um, state what your objective is. So, you know, I said, you know, this is the kind of cover I'm looking for. This is the um, this is the type of book I've written. This is the genre. These are the key messages, you know, and, and this is kind of the audience that I'm targeting. And then I said, these are some um, kind of design elements that I want to make sure are incorporated in there. And I listed those out. And then I also listed out, you know, some things to avoid. The design brief is sort of like the cover to your cover, meaning it's all your potential designer has to judge you by. They're not likely to read your whole manuscript, so the trick is including enough information to effectively convey whether your novel would be a good fit for them, while also sending it to the right designers that would be good for you. Because like so many aspects of a book, the design stage is collaborative, and when finding a collaborator, it's so important that you don't judge them by their cover. And I, you know, I assumed that the process would be pretty collaborative, and uh, I think in all of the, um, you know, the approaches that I read that people would give, usually they'd come up with a few concepts, and then you know, you'd give feedback, and then they'd come up with another second round of concepts if you didn't like those, and then you'd, you know, refine, you know, kind of gravitate towards one, and then refine that. And the first designer I worked with, you know, I, I picked her because I thought she seemed pretty senior and pretty experienced. And um, what I learned was that she was probably more supervising other designers. So in the process, she came up with the first three concepts and they were all really, really similar. How similar? I mean, really, really similar. So she told her. And I said, oh, you know, I'm not really, you know, 
feeling like any of these is, is the one yet. Can you do another round? And she said no. Just like with much of the editing and publishing process, it's crucial that right off the bat, a self-published author determines whether their designer is a good fit for them or not. And just like with much of life, you rarely have enough information to actually do this. You usually have to make a decision based on what little you have to go off of, which unfortunately can be rather misleading. So I was like, hmm, I don't really feel like, you know, any of these choices is the right choice. So I, you know, I just said, I'm not sure if, you know, this is the right project. Maybe we should just, you know, you know, kind of, you know, happily part ways. And she also said, I feel like it's, you know, this is not something I normally do. So, you know, she, I think she felt a little bit of pressure. So I just said, okay, well, let's just, um, you know, let's just end the assignment. Shaz picked a designer who looked great on paper very senior and plenty of experience, but underneath that cover, she wasn't a great fit. That's the danger with a cover that doesn't fully communicate the essence of what's underneath. It might leave you with an unhappy customer. But fortunately, and contrary to popular belief, you do often have a chance to make another first impression. And then I reached out to the Reedsy founders and I said, you know, I um, see a lot of great designers on your site. I'm wondering if you can just recommend somebody. This is what I'm trying to do. And they were great because they said, you know, try these. I think they said, look at, you know, these three to five people. And um, I, you know, found one that I thought was going to be really great. And I looked at all of this person's um, design, previous cover designs. And I like the fact that there was um, a good deal of variety, but it seemed like the cover designs that he came up with um, worked well with the content of, that, of each book. So, um, so, and I, you know, reached out to him and he was just really, you know, seemed very collaborative, very professional, um, seemed like he had a great sense of humor and he was actually in the UK. So, um, so it, that timing ended up working out fine, the time difference, but, um, yeah, I ended up working with him and he just, he did a phenomenal job. I was so happy that I had an opportunity to work with him. And communicating, uh, negotiating with them, that was all pretty straightforward? Yeah, um, basically, because I, I had intended to have a series of three books. And so I said, you know, if you do a great job with this book, then, you know, I'd like you to design the other books as well. So because I had, you know, a revenue stream that was coming, I, you know, tried to negotiate a little bit more on the price and everything. And I, I found it was very reasonable. Shameless self-plug. This is a Readsy podcast, and Readsy is a great way to find freelance professionals, including designers, to work on your book. But regardless of how you find them, it's incredibly important who you find. The right designer for you isn't just someone with experience in your genre, although that's a step in the right direction, but they also have to understand your story. After all, they're tasked with conveying its entire essence in a single picture. So what can you do to find the right fit right off the bat? In other words, is there a real-life equivalent to reading the first chapter of a book in the bookstore? According to Shaz, there is. Uh, I, well, I actually did quite a bit of research before I hired the designer in order to write my design brief for the cover. And she means quite a bit. So I went to, you know, quite a few fiction or quite a few bookstores and I looked in the fiction section and I looked at, um, you know, I just kind of looked across and said, all right, what do I see in terms of trends for book covers? 
And uh, at the time, I noticed that a lot of fiction book covers were white or really light colors. A big part of landing on the right cover for the right readers is designing to the market. This is part of the value in getting a professional designer and submitting a detailed brief. They understand the current trends and how to deploy them. Or if you prefer a hands-on approach, you can handle that yourself. Also, one of the things that was key was because I knew I was going to be um, distributing, distributing it through Amazon and everything, I said the cover has to be um, simple enough that when it's in a thumbnail, it's easily recognizable and distinct. Then I also said, here are some cover designs that I really like that are representative of the type of cover that I would like to see. Um, so I provided all of that to the cover designer. Well, I, you know, I did a lot of research and, and I found that most books um, are printed on cream paper. You have a choice of cream or, or pure white, and white is a little bit stark and it's a little bit hard on the reader's eyes, so most books that you read that are, you know, traditionally published especially, they're, they're printed on cream-colored paper, um, so I chose cream-colored paper. And I also wanted the font to be just, you know, simple, you know, elegant looking, but, but really readable. And I didn't want the, you know, a fancy font that would get in the way of things. It is a process to um, to figure out what to put on the back cover, and you know you have to do your author bio. You have to keep it pretty succinct, um, depending on you know how much real estate you have on the cover, and you also have to decide on you know what can you write about the book, you know just like a quick synopsis about the book or or a lead into the book that if somebody you know has never heard of you or heard about the book and they pick it up and they read it, you know, what's going to intrigue them to, you know, buy the book and, you know, and actually read it. Well, I, I actually, what I did was I looked at the blurbs on, you know, probably, I don't know, 25 to 30 books and, and books that I really liked and, you know, books that I liked the story. And it was interesting because in, in some of them, I thought, you know, the blurb was really well written and it really um, kind of draws you in and wants you to learn more. And others, I thought, wow, the content of this book is great, but the blurb was not as strong as I kind of expect. So um, I, I tried to take elements of the things that I saw that I really liked and incorporate them. And then I also thought, okay, you know, is there something different that I can do to, uh, you know, make mine stand out a little bit more? I was pretty specific, and you know, I said these are, you know, kind of the themes. I want it to be simple. I want it to be bold, I want it to stand out, I want it to be modern. Um, I had things that I wanted the designer to avoid, like I said, no pink covers, no you know, flying ponytails, no high heels, um, you know, no lipstick or things like that. I just I just, you know, I wanted to have a little bit more, I don't know, gravity to it. That may all seem like a lot, but take it from Shaz, someone who has experience in both marketing, a business process based on curating snap judgments, and in being judged herself, your book's cover is key. Especially when you're self-published, a great, um, powerful cover can really do a lot in terms of your marketing efforts and, and draw um, readers' interests. It's the first and honestly often the last chance you'll have to sell readers on your book. So you don't want to sell them the wrong thing. Uh, you know, because my book is kind of unique, it's not, um, I would say, like a typical women's fiction book. So I think just the tone of the book is different. What I was trying to accomplish was different. And I really wanted to get away from uh, a cover that was 
too similar to other books. And that means finding the right cover designer who is interested in the contents of your gift, meaning your novel, your book, and or your story, and not just in wrapping it with the prettiest paper. I, you know, I trusted the creative process a lot. I mean, and he, uh, there was a lot of back and forth. And I think one of the things I really liked about my designer was, you know, he, he didn't, he wasn't like an order taker where he just said, okay, you want this blue, I'll make it blue. He was like, you know, I really thought about it. And I think this would work really well. And I, you know, and he would just kind of continue to refine it and come up with ideas that were great. And, and, you know, occasionally like I would say, oh, well, what if we tried this? And then, you know, he would push back. So he knew when to push back and he knew when to, um, you know, collaborate on things. So I, I thought it was a really great working relationship. Finding the right cover might take quite a bit of research, but testing covers is key to the design stage. And um, when he, I think we had a few finalized versions. So I, I just printed them out and then I um, actually like taped them on a book and, and then I showed them to people and I said, you know, which one, you know, appeals to you the most and why. And I also showed them to some uh, graphic designers and, um, and they were able to give me some feedback. So we made some just like slight changes and, um, but I mean, I think the cover really it stayed true to um, his vision and it also fulfilled what I was seeking in the cover. Yeah. So I was really happy with it. But fear not, there is no dearth of information out there. Anytime I had a question about something, I would, you know, I would just look at another, you know, 10 books and say, okay, these are like 10 bestsellers. So, you know, and they seem to consistently do this. So I'm going to do that as well. And despite the early hiccup, the design stage overall went pretty smoothly for Shaz. I think the, like the design process was probably the most enjoyable part. She parted ways with her first designer with no hard feelings and found a second one she was happy with. Actually, he showed me, I think, five different versions of the cover. All were quite different directions. And, um, you know, it, it was just, it was great to work with somebody who was so passionate about getting it right. I mean, I could tell that he wanted this cover to be just perfect. And, um, and uh, you know, I'm just happy that I found that person on the Reezy Network. And at the end of the day, she wound up with a cover that said everything it could about the story inside. Just be open-minded, but, you know, hopefully whatever you uh, choose will reflect what you, what the idea is of your book. Judging a book by its cover can often be misleading, but we're all human, so we're going to keep doing it anyways. It's a designer's job to ensure that your cover isn't misleading, that it sells your book to the right readers. And as a writer, it's your job to find a killer designer to help you deliver a cover that you're proud to have your book judged by. I think, you know, the most important thing is, you know, at the end of the day, does the cover design reflect, you know, what the key message is in the book? And, you know, I think if, if those two things can come together, you've got a pretty successful cover design. I think, you know, if you have a great designer, you know, you can bring a design brief to that person that uh, really has some thoughtful ideas uh, from you as the author of what you'd like to see. But I also think, you know, if you have a great designer, you've got to give them the freedom to experiment. And uh, I'm glad that I did that because I think the result was far better than something that I could have just directed. The good news is, once you find a great book cover designer, the rest of the process is pretty hands off. But overall, I mean, I think this was 
one of the, the shorter and more straightforward portions of the whole process of bringing the book to life. You send them your brief, give it a second, and they'll send you back some ideas. Then you'll send them your thoughts, give it a second, and they'll send you back some more ideas, and so on and so forth until you have the cover of your dreams. But in those seconds, you'll find the first and only real downtime there is in the process of writing a book. So it's best not to let that time go to waste. After I finished the, the cover design process, I started um, you know, thinking about marketing and thinking about what I would do um, to you know, kind of launch the book successfully. So I was already starting to plan that, but um, I knew I couldn't actually market the book until I had the whole finished product. Brought to you by Reedsy, this is Best Seller. Over the course of this season, we'll follow an indie author's journey from start to finish in five chapters, exploring each step it takes to turn a collection of ideas in your head into a published book. Next up is chapter five, Going to Market. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating, a review, a subscription, or all of the above on iTunes, Stitcher, or the podcatcher of your choice. And if you are in that 81% of aspiring authors out there, stop aspiring and start writing with Readsy. Readsy allows indie authors to find and work with the best publishing professionals, from developmental editors to book cover designers to publicists. Just sign up for an author profile, browse the extensive marketplace of professionals, find the best fit for your project, and set a collaboration in motion. And with built-in contracts protection and mediation from Readsy, finding qualified freelance editors, designers, and marketers as a self-published author just got a lot easier. Go to readsy.com slash loves slash podcast to get $25 credit when you sign up and set a contract. That's R-E-E-D-S-Y dot com slash L-O-V-E-S slash podcast to get $25 off your first collaboration today. Offer valid through January 2019.